breathe. Lovely, lovely breathing. Lovely, lovely inhale. And let's do it together. Okay. Let's synchronize this together. Okay. So let's evacuate all those nasty things out of our bodies by doing a nice, strong, ready? Okay. Inhale. And exhale. Right out. Let it out like a ginormous poo. Go on. Oh, good God. Squeeze it out. It's gone. One, just one more. Sorry, one yeah, big yeah. inhale. Okay. And exhale. For Doesn't those, that feel good? It, it feels amazing. For those of you just joining the webinar, uh, which is our live <laughs> oh, studio audience. Live. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> um, oh, good, no. good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, you join Ooh. me and JB as we uh, as we entertain the nation and the world. Um, yeah. And for those of you that are in the audience live, um, you can ask us questions if you so wish. We have our usual chit-chats and dialogue. Um, but you can also submit your questions within the audience. However, if you are part of listening to the recorded podcasts, which you can download obviously from various platforms for those in the live audience who want to listen again, you can download it and you can listen to all that breathing and exhaling as part of our warm up. But, that, but that's okay. We like that. Um, anyway, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley in my shed, pushing the boundaries of my technology and bizarrely, uh, my technology seems to be holding up quite well, whereas Anthony, uh, who is normally the tech genius, has got the problems today. So uh, uh, do you know what? And I, I am actually quite pleased, not because it's making you stressed, Ant. It's just because I have a big voice in my head uh, that tells me um, that I am absolutely rubbish at two things in my life. One of them is mathematics and the other is technology. I am determined to get that gone from my head because it's not helping. It's not great. It's not good. Uh, but it's a little voice that I've got to deal with. Unfortunately, it was my laptop that was refusing to acknowledge there was a headphone socket plugged into it. So I had to do a restart, which, you know, then took ages because my laptop oh, then decided to want to do forever. a massive uh, download. So then I thought quickly I'll run and get an iPad to connect so we're not leaving the audiences waiting. And anyway... Here we are. Um, things are up and running again, just about. Um, the quality isn't quite as good as it normally is, but um, we will get by and we'll listen back to the recording and work out what we did wrong and learn from here because we're a dynamic mindset group of people. Um, so um, for those of you that are regular listeners, um, we have a topic that we're going to cover, which um, JB found in a moment. Plus, we have our listener questions. We have a really good listener question, and I'm going to read the question now, but we don't need to talk about it till later because I think it needs a period of reflection because I read it and thought, wow. And then because of all the technology stuff, I didn't get a chance to read it for you before we went live. So I'm going to read it to you. We don't need to think about it now. And the question comes in from a lady called Lydia, um, not the Lydia that we know, a different Lydia. Um, and she says that she's a leader for a charity organization and she struggles in engaging and managing big egos in that organization. The people in that organization, we need their resources, but as they're unpaid, unfortunately, the only way we can recognize them is by mass charging their ego. Mm. However, unfortunately, it is becoming debilitating to the charity's performance now. And I think something needs to be done. What would you do? And I guess this is the thing, isn't it? Anyway, we'll talk about it later, but it's a really interesting question. Um, and I thought if I don't mention it now, one give us a chance to kind of in the background process the question. 
because when I read it, I know exactly what Lydia means. Mm-hmm. There are organizations, community radio, charities, hospital radio, I have experience of personally. And sometimes they can be more bureaucratic than a business. And a lot of these people are in these businesses because they probably, they want to add something to the value to the charity, but sometimes they want power and they can't get it in their day job and therefore they abuse their power they're given in a charity. And because they're unpaid, there's even more of this need to, do we tolerate their 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 poor behaviour? But we'll come back to, unless you want to talk about it now, JB, but I know you have a very interesting topic you wanted to talk to as well. Well, so let's, uh, let's, I've moved away from my mic. Am I still fine? Can, can you hear me? Yes, Probably yes, better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've mm-hmm. also noticed that we've lost about 60% of our live audience. Do you think that happened when we were doing our heavy, heavy breathing? I don't know. It only doesn't matter. I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll cope with the audience that are there. That's a lovely thing. So, yes. Um, and warm and fuzzy, we feel about it. So, technical gremlins, get thee gone. Yes. No more. You're not, you're not allowed to be part of this show. This is about you and you and me. And Lovely. so let's get on. Um, so I uh, have had quite a lot of conversations recently about flexi working um, and the trials and tribulations of trying to work from home. Um, I mean, this is personal, isn't it? I mean, it's personal to you. It's personal to me. Uh, we have had builders in this week and uh, Christabel, my wife, is a journalist and she's been trying to do her work. And of course, me being smug because I built my shed last year, I'm I'm out here and I'm absolutely fine. Um, but she is trying to be a journalist and do transcriptions and all sorts of stuff like that. And she can't do it because of the banging and the noise and so on. And teenage uh, kids coming in and saying, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? And, you know, that's really irritating and very annoying. Um, so from your world, and you've got uh, three boys and people coming and going all the time. And I look at you sometimes and I honestly, I think, how the hell do you manage this? Um, how do you cope? Wine. Um, so it's, it's interesting because in a pre-COVID world, you and me arguably have been used to working remotely. Um, and I used to get frustrated that people in business thought that working from home was a cushy life. Mm. So there's a bit of a, ha, told you so, but in the nicest possible way at the moment. Because um, you're right. Um, I, I've always found the commute... I get stressed about working from home. Now, that may sound very odd to the listeners and the people in the room. But what I mean by that is I would often log off at five to six because I knew dinner was on the table at six. And I'd you know walk out of my office into a room of three very noisy boys. Um, and you don't get to compartmentalize your working day before dad can I have this, dad can I have that. And I think when you are commuting you have that 15 20 minutes to kind of put the radio on you're on your own you can just forget the day and i do i do think there is something mental about that separation which i i struggled with to start with and there's lots of people talking about fake walking to work at the minute but yeah if i'm honest it is difficult um because these distractions we have and in the uk for international listeners um, let us know in the audience where you are in the world by the way it's always good to know that but the um the uk currently are in a lockdown and that means that 
despite my wife being a key worker, therefore we could still send them to school. We've decided to keep them off for their own safety and we don't want to spread the virus unnecessarily into our house, etc. So we've kept them off. And having three boys and the job, which we all know is is intense anybody for, for anyone, but working from home with children when you haven't got your other wife or your spouse or partner to help with the childcare is a massive challenge. So we don't cope. Um, is the honest answer. Um, we get by. Um, there are good days and bad days. But I have to say, I think I spoke to you a few weeks ago and this lockdown has had bigger impact on people than ever before. But what I do think is beginning to happen is, you know, this methodology st- forming, storming, norming. Mm. And I think if we were to use that thinking around remote working and flexible working and the nine to five being dead, I think... There was a forming period at the beginning of, oh, this is nice. I get to work from home and this is only a short term blip. And I kind of think we didn't know where the end was, but we assumed everything was going to be done by July, August, I think, in March last year. Mm. And I remember even podcasts we were talking about. Well, this is a bit weird. We're all sat, you know, in random places. Um, And I think what's happened in January this year is there's a realisation that actually this is far from over. The vaccinations are having a definite impact and the case numbers are coming down. But then you're hearing propaganda in the media about we don't book a holiday yet because we're not promising anything. And I think because there isn't a sense of an end in sight, I think people are struggling a lot more with it. But what I am seeing is from a from a forming, storming, norming is this is the storming that we're in right now. And I think give it a few weeks, people will start to work out that working from home can have a comfortable balance. I think we're all craving company at the minute. And I think at the moment, some of us are saying, I want to go back to the office, anything to go back to the office for a day. And I think we will. But I think once, I think I've said in a previous episode, once we find the rhythm, I think people will come to the office one or two days a week. And actually they'll come to the office for the purpose of having face-to-face meetings and socialising. And then they'll get their day job done at home, which is what you and me have done for years. I never get bugger all done in an office because people literally, in the nicest possible way, without being arrogant, they line up for a, you got free for a coffee, free for a catch-up. You want to go out for a beer? You want to go, let's go out for lunch. And before you know it, you've achieved nothing. But I, I realised over a couple of years, the purpose of going to an office is to connect, not to work, but to connect with your co-workers on that personal level. And then when you're working from home, you graft. But I think that because we've been grafting for so long, I think people are mentally exhausted. And then with that balance, as you mentioned, it's a challenge. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to get to the mute button in time, but I couldn't. You did. You, you caught it, but I could see it. <laughs> um but see i i think that uh tells us that you and i actually had a reasonable run-up uh to you know flexi working working from home and you know you you had a pretty open-minded organization uh that you were working with before that enabled you to to do that and yeah. um you know you came to a good understanding about how that worked I think for an awful lot of people, they were suddenly thrown in uh, to working from home uh, and it was an absolute crisis that, that you know, kind of storming uh, took a lot of people by surprise. And, and yes, initially, I think some people thought it was actually quite cool. Uh, and But then I think, as you say, by sort of August, September, I think people, people were beginning to think, I thought this was going to be over. <laughs> Yeah. By now, you know, the kids are screaming, um, you know, we, we 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 both want to get back into an office and see people, for Christ's sake, this is driving us mad. 
on the back of that, I I read this um, article. It was in HuffPost, uh, and it's by this lady called Amy Packham. And I was struck by it's a really cool title actually. It really struck me, and it was you probably need to reinvent uh, your work from home day from scratch. And I I thought well if that if that was the case, um, you know what what would we actually do? Um, so we've all been doing this for nearly a year now, and um, she just kind of raises a few interesting little points, which I'm going to scroll down and find. Um, so invent your day from scratch. Um, shed the rhythms that don't suit you. Uh, if you no longer have a commute, use that time for ourselves. Um, so uh, my commute time is r- roughly two minutes uh, from the, from my kitchen uh, to my shed. So uh, that is my new commute time, and that suits me rather well, apart from the icy conditions really um, recently where I nearly fell over. Um, Into the garden pond, I assume. Yeah, I'm going to sneeze again. Why is this? Oh, dear. <laughs> we haven't got technology, but we've got something else going well, on. Well, I know, because you've been um, moving your furniture around. It's obviously disturbed the dust. Uh, yes. So um, we're talking about, um, sorry, with my sneezing, we're talking about flexing um, and reinventing work for a smarter, happier life. That's kind of where we're going. So this is one um, that I think is is really, really important, and it's about imposing boundaries. Um, so don't be tempted to swap the nine to five with the 24 uh, seven. This lady says, you know, it is uh, really, really easy for people to end up still working, still working at eight or nine or 10 or 11. And um, I mean, and you've set up your new business. So that is, um, you know, s- sort of a different example, but you you seem to go on you go from early hours in the morning to late at night. So what what happens once the business is established? Uh, I think, as, as you say, as a leader, um, at the moment, I have no choice but to do all this. And I think anyone starting a business would be in that position. But what I do find um for people in an established business is they wake up with their laptop and they go to sleep with their laptop. Um, and I think we need that compartmentalization. I was talking to someone the other day and they do a fake walk to work. Um, yeah. but I, 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 I do think as, as leaders of, of people, we need to establish some boundaries of how we fix it. So I imposed with my team, no one can check their emails on a Saturday. If I receive an email on a Saturday, I'll mark you as spam. Um, but I don't. I, I actually now, in the Outlook settings on my phone, you can mute it from alerting at certain times so it doesn't alert me to emails on a Saturday. Um, Sunday afternoon, I like to know what I'm waking up to on Monday morning, so I do that. But religiously, Friday from 5 o'clock until Sunday morning, you won't see correspondence from me. But I, I, I think there's a lot of people probably listening to this podcast in exactly the same position where they're struggling to separate work from life. Um, that said, there are upsides to it because in a normal world, wouldn't it be great to be able to take your kids to school every morning to do the school run without having to rush because, you know, actually your boss is cool with that. You've done an hour before you start, you know, even doing the school run. And also you want to be with them for an hour and they get home from school before dinner 
um, and make dinner with them. Um, so I think all of those things are where organizations and leadership need to understand you ma- manage the performance, not the process. Um, and there should be processes in place, of course, but do not expect the visibility of a process being delivered as the performance measurement. Actually, what's the KPI you need to achieve as a result of it? And other than that, you manage the relationship and the performance. Excuse my language. Fuck the process. Yeah, yeah. The process that you had when everyone was in the office is no longer relevant now. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big rethinking, isn't it? So, I mean, you, you know, if we were, if we had the, the luxury of, of working this out from scratch, um, you know, kids, um, we would have a conversation with kids about how this is going to be now. And, uh, you know, this, this space, this room, this cupboard uh, that I work in, you don't knock on the door between these hours. Uh, you just don't unless you know you're it's an absolute emergency because this is mummy and daddy's work and it's yeah, the flip side isn't it you know we just, a lot of people be just you know kids they can't be expected just to to get this straight away can they i mean it's really difficult and work colleagues um a lot of them just don't get boundaries some of them are like kids it's like they're just bombarding you uh you know i've seen people being bombarded with their with their watch with their apple watch with their ipad with their iphone with their computer uh, by their kids by their dogs by their everybody's and i'm not just looking at you and <laughs> now the reason he says this everybody is because when i get an email my watch goes off my mobile phone goes off my ipad my macbook and my pc so i get an alert five times all in the space of it, and, it goes, and it does become a surround sound experience but no no you're right it's so, um, I mean, I, you know, those boundaries and having some pretty honest conversations about that is is, is pretty uh, important. So, yeah, tick the box on that. Um, and here she says, empathy trumps productivity. Um, and she referred, I like this language, actually. It says, our working culture fetishes of speed, churn and efficiency uh, often a ne- neglect uh, the empathy conversation, listening and considered thought now is the time for this and revel in it she says revel in the empathy uh, rather than uh, this fetish for speed churn and efficiency I, that is that old mood music of efficiency uh, I, I absolutely 100% relate to that I know from my own experience I have been so much more efficient in my shed my shed is an efficient space but that's not the goal of the shed mm. the goal of the shed is to be productive and effective and creative and innovative um and to to have the boundary that comes from the moment i shut this door uh, and it is my space so i become more productive but don't you find that word empathy uh, a lot of people are talking about it these days yeah do you, do you think they actually know what that is all about? Well, you know, is it just a word that gets put on a flip chart or comes up on a screen? Do we really know what we're actually talking about with regard to empathy? No. <laughs> and I think that's part of the issue, isn't it? I think... 
we may be empathetic inside, but we may not show it effectively enough. So I'm hoping that it's really warm in here with the sun in you. Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked with a few psychopaths in my time. I really honestly do think I have worked with a psychopath. Uh, I've lived with a psychopath, but I know what they're like. I have. Um, but and that's another story. Um, and, you know, th they they just will not, cannot. They're not capable of putting themselves in other people's shoes. So we've got this mass, we've had this mass migration to the four corners of our houses, cupboards, sheds, attics, basements, bedrooms, where people are working. I think uh, that uh, there are a lot of employers who don't really understand the devastating effect that that is having mm. on uh, the psychological um, safety and um, sense of, uh, you know, balance in people's lives. Uh, it has it has been devastating for a lot of people. Um, others have managed to ride it out. And after six months, nine months, 12 months at it now, I think people are beginning to fray at the edges. Yeah. Other people have found it the most brilliant breakthrough, um, just the most fabulous um, opportunity to do what they want to do. I was talking to a client earlier this morning um, who was in tears, not because not because I, I brought out um, some negative emotions in them. Uh, they were just so, so happy uh, that they weren't required to go back to work in the workplace because they the bosses realised that they were so much more effective mm. uh, working from home. And and under and the and the the business was understanding of their of their position. Um, so empathy, I think, is a is a is a really interesting area. I mean, we I mean, you know we could have a whole uh, episode about uh, the importance of um, bosses and colleagues putting themselves into other people's shoes. Um, the next one is blocking out time uh, for non-work. Uh, which I think is really, really important, um, being able to do that. And not, not. this is where I think reinventing from scratch is really a good way of looking at this. Mm. Rather than thinking, right, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my thing at seven uh, in the morning, and then I'm going to do my thing at eight in the evening. Uh, isn't it that we've got this opportunity to, to go for really good walks with dogs or to just get out of the house if we're able to um, and just just go and walk around a park and come back or walk down the street and come back or go and buy something from the shops. Do something yeah. uh, that's that's different on a more regular basis. Or go for a, go for a drive in the car if you can. I think the, 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 the fake walk to work is a good thing. I think also diarising, yeah, diarising time to go out for a walk as well. The challenge with diarising time is the weather in the UK, for example, is not very predictable. So you have these situations where you book in time and then it comes close to it and then the weather's not great and you're not quite bothered, <laughs> um, which is the other challenge. And I think if you are going to have a routine, 
there needs to be um, some what ifs built in in case, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like what knitting? I don't knitting know. Would be good. I, I don't know. So may, maybe it's you. You put music on for half an hour. You know. I knew you were going to say that, and I think that's brilliant. You know, because at least with music, you can you can choose what music you want to listen to without yeah. worrying everybody else. Yeah. yeah in exactly. the office. Yeah. So I think that those those are some examples. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think it's just having that conscious separation that's the big thing. Um, and leaders showing willingness of flexibility in both directions. Um, so that, again, I'm trying to put it on the leadership spin, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, from a leadership spin, um, how does it fit to have the right to disconnect? Do you have the right to disconnect? I think so, so long as everyone understands that's when you're available and there is someone to deputise. And there is a, if there's an absolute emergency, then fine. Because there's a, I, I talk to, to quite a few leaders about this and there's this kind of thing about pre presenteeism, presenteeism. Like, you know, there's an obsession with people being present and available. Mm. Um, it's like you don't have the opportunity to, uh, I am now officially disconnecting for the next 30 minutes. I'm out of here. Uh, uh, well, we've got this thing. You can't do that. Right. Um, so I think as a, as a leader, um, it's making sure uh, that we make, make it possible for people to disconnect um, and go and do their thing. Um, I was talking to my daughter earlier about triangles oh, funnily God. enough and i know and my eldest daughter uh is uh a, an opera singer and a new mother and she she's got a bit of yeah she's got a bit of um thinking going on about her life and you know where she wants to go from here and what she wants to do and um she's read a, another quite interesting article about uh triangular uh triangles and triangular thinking and how useful it is to put yourself in the middle of a triangle and select three things that are important to you uh, for you to find your balance in your life. Because as human beings, um, we tend to go for, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to make, you know, so much money this year, or, you know, we have this goal um, but that is often, you know, disconnected from other goals, like a goal of well-being, um, a goal of being um, physically fit as well as mentally fit, and also um, being successful in my career or making this, this transition from working in an office to working from home. Yeah. And so, so, so having that uh, triangle, uh, triangular thinking. Uh, can push us to to focus on balance uh, and not just focus on one thing. She got this from this article, and it was written by a triathlete coach. Wow! And there's your metaphor, isn't uh, it? Just for, yeah, uh, focusing on three things that you get really good at. Um, 
So, you know, you've got to keep that that swimming thing going. You've got to keep the running thing going and you've yeah. got the cycling thing going. Uh, and you you balance those out. So, you know, you're not just great at cycling, um, but you've got your... Um, Sorry. Uh, you've, you've got your swimming and your running thing going at the same time. So then you take that metaphor and you think about working from home and you think about those three things that you need to get right yeah. uh, about that, you know. So so it might be, for example, um, you know, being being part of the family uh, in a good way, being being part of your work in a really good way, um, and then being part of yourself, being being yourself mm-hmm. in not losing yourself to either or. I, I don't know. I'm just making that bit up, but it would kind of make sense to me. So that that is the kind of end bit for me. When I, I when I read that and I thought about what M and I had this conversation about, let's put those things together and think about what it, what are your three things yeah. that you want to that you want to try and get right over the next six twelve months. And that got me thinking. It's a very reflective subject, isn't it? And, and by the way, the, the listeners, feel free to, in the live audience, feel free to give us your interactions um, to said subject. Um, I, I think on my side of the fence, um, I think there has been things that have been tried and tested for this, and some have worked, some have not. So, for example, when lockdown one happened, um, I realized that um, coffee breaks were a real clash in my calendar because I was used to this virtual working. But businesses, let's have a virtual coffee break and a virtual hug and the first two weeks, everyone's there. And then week three and four, people are like, yeah, do you know what? I don't want to talk about how fred up I am. <laughs> and the numbers started to dwindle. Um, and I think now virtual coffee breaks kind of exist, but more likely is more regular one-to-one check-ins of a coffee break just on a one-to-one basis rather than having a big virtual drinky socialization. That said, some companies are doing some clever things to create separation. But then I was ironically interviewing someone the other day um, for a job, and they said that they one of the things they, they struggled with transitioning from military life into commercial and corporate life is your work is your family. And, yeah. and in corporate land, that doesn't exist. And what was interesting by that comment was effectively that some of us, unfortunately, have these situations where we are now in a in a space where we don't have that human connection. And maybe if our work was our life and now we're, we're kind of, you know, not being able to connect them anymore, it's a problem. So... Well, I... So... I mean, we won't spend too much time on it, but I was reading a um, a thing in the the Guardian. Other, uh, this is a British newspaper. Um, other newspapers are available, um, and um, this is the announcement that a giant, um, huge global company, Salesforce, um, is um, basically closing down its office. Um, and um, Salesforce is based in San Francisco. Um, and that's a location for, for many, many huge um, companies. And it seems to be uh, a big trend, uh, a tech trend. Uh, and it claims in this article that the nine to five 
uh, workday is dead. Um, and it heralds this big uh, move away from these big, ginormous ego buildings. Do you remember all of those big, you know, the sort of Microsoft and um, Bloomberg, I think, built a massive great office in London? Yeah. Um, I think it's arguing that, you know, we must take this seriously now. You know, they, the, the, big, the big tech giants are saying, no, flex working, flex working. Uh, this is this is where we're we're going. Those sprawling employee campuses, mm. no, not not working for us. Um, you know, we can we can save a lot more money, um, and um, have people pre- very very productively uh, working from home. So I, I thought it's quite interesting um, to to really capture that that this isn't going to go away. Uh, despite what you say, Anne, about you know people going back to work, I I think your point that I think was well made. People people will want to be part of a community. Buildings will exist mm. um, for for people to belong to a business, to belong to a work function. People le- need love and work, yeah. um, and you know there's, we're never going to get away from that. And people will need that to happen. But uh, we we are now um, massively going into that uh, flexible working world, um, and I think I think we're, as you rightly said, I think we're probably at the storming point of it, um, um, rather than the norming point of it. But there is no going back to normal. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the new normal might be, but I suspect whatever new normal we reach. Uh, that will be uh, superseded by a no normal situation again before we reach another new normal and so on. Um, we could look at that as really exciting. Yeah. Or we could look at it as petrifying. Uh, I I swing around a bit, but I think on the whole, I'm looking at it as a great thing uh, for the world, if we get it right, uh, I think it. I think it could be great for humanity. I think it could be uh, an opportunity to get our balance in our lives right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an opportunity for leaders to seize it. That does seem to be happening with the big tech giants in San Francisco. From the article uh, that I read in the Guardian, you know, it's it's not just. Um, a little bit of fanciful storytelling, they are closing down the big campuses. Yeah. It's yeah. happening. And will it what overgo happens back? There yeah. happens elsewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and in fact, I think I was reading an article about um, one of the big search engine firms in Dublin um, had acquired some additional office space and they're now not putting anyone in there. They're going to see if they can sublet some space out, but they're saying, we don't need it anymore. Um, and um, I've got a relative that had worked for a bank in Ireland and he was being relocated to a new purpose-built office. They're now not opening it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They're changing it, I think, so into it, meeting uh, 20 hot desks and 40 meeting rooms, but there's 250 staff, which tells you what people are going to come to the centres to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if, if, we were, if we were able to do that thing of, of starting from scratch... Uh, and you know, right now 
we could be part of a leadership group uh, for, um, let's say, the EU. Um, and, you know, Britain kind of part of that. Yeah. Uh, the continent. You know, we get, we're going we're gonna to build uh, a new Jerusalem. We're going to build a new way of, of doing this. What would be the components uh, of that building this from scratch? What would it be like in the utopian world and collaborative workspaces, remote working and budget savings spent on off-sites um, to expand. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I like the idea of hot desks. You book, yeah. book your desk, um, you book your meetings, you go in and collaborate, and then you go back to your remote working. I think um, having a budget for people to be able to homework um, but that's reflected in salary because I think there's a thing, you know, there is a saving for people not to have to commute anymore. So I think there is a balance. I think I'm seeing some people at the minute that say, well, I want more money now because I'm working from home. Well, actually, you're saving on the commute here. Um, you're not having to spend four hours a day or two hours a day commuting each day. So, you know, that there's a benefit both ways here. And you're in an area where we could pay more, but actually with remote working, we can go and hire people in a very cheap part of the country if we so wish. So I think there is going to be an interesting situation, but building from the ground up, I think you can go to, you can open up your, I think job ad boards will be interesting because they will attract people from, it doesn't make any difference. You can search here, but whether you're in Birmingham or Cornwall or New York or San Francisco, it's irrelevant unless time zones are important, for example. So I think that's, that's something. I think it allows us to open up international and, and a wider national for in-country businesses. Um, I think collaborative workspaces are important, 100%. Um, and I also think that um, what we then do is with those savings as a business may make is they then reinvest those savings into getting people together for more conferences when COVID permits. Um, we're assuming COVID's over, but but that's yeah. the challenge. Well, uh, you know, in our utopian world, uh, we've got all the vaccines um, under the planet. We just probably pop a pill or two every so often and it's all fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was listening to the radio, actually, and that, that is not out of the question in, you know, the next four to five years. Yeah. Um, so but th that that utopian um, vision has all sorts of impacts on infrastructure and city spaces and, um, you know, the, the, the how we view the high street. Uh, in any part of the world uh, these days, you know, the high street will change yeah. because it's not going to have that through traffic uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so trains, um, boats, planes, you know, all of that uh, is going to be a very, very different world. Um, so in terms of climate change and stuff like that, you know, that is going to have a major uh, it is a major opportunity for that, I yeah. think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. What's going to happen to infrastructure is also going to be interesting. You know, these city centres are already cause, having havoc. Um, movement infrastructure, trains, um, you know, are they needed as heavy in the MR? You know, there's, there's these the, in the UK, there's Northern Powerhouse. Is that needed anymore? Yeah, the um, big, big HS2 project, hugely con controversial. Um, but I, I, I mean, again, it, it's interesting, isn't it? It depends on what that's used for. Um, but I think I think what will happen through remote working is the same effect, which is spreading the wealth. It doesn't matter if I'm based in, in a really low income part of the country. If I've got the competencies to do a job, whether I'm in here or there, it, it's irrelevant. Um, what is challenging is, of course, 
I've seen some people try and relocate abroad and still be on the UK salary when they're in a country that actually his average salary is a quarter of that. And they're claiming, well, yeah, that's what I want. Well, yeah, but, you know, that then we need to put you on a contract that's based on that country's jurisdiction and salaries. So it's, it's a very interesting balance, isn't it? So... I, th- I think it's a convergence of so many so many things. I mean, it, it, the area of infotech, mm. uh, bi- biotech, uh, envirotech, and AI, and all of these things, uh, we are we are coming into a perfect storming yes. uh, moment in the world. Uh, I think within this decade, we're we're, we're at it. Uh, we are going into it. I think the pandemic has created um, a great deal of additional pressure and probably um, urgency mm. to 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 deal with this. Um, I'm not hugely satisfied with um, the political response to all of these matters. I don't feel a sense that there is strategic. Uh, worldwide collaboration, communication, and vision around what we can do um, to make this uh, a, a better place, uh, with people um, really being highly productive and valued uh, working from home. Mm. Um, and also, I worry about um, you know what we're going to make and sell. <laughs> how is that? How is that going to work? You know, is that all going to be um, computerized and therefore, hey, don't worry about it. And then there's the whole thing about having a uh, everybody earning a, a wage, um, a minimum wage. I think there's a terminology for it. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, that, again, is a controversial proposition and will only work if it is a, um, a global solution uh, yeah. or a, at least a a regional uh, world solution um I, I i don't know it's a it's a it's a massive ball game that we've got ourselves into and i, I i've steered us into a Ooh. into a great big big steaming bath of hot potatoes oh there's another metaphor there of, of i think of, i've mixed several of toilets and things yeah crazy yeah um we need to wrap up we've only got eight minutes left because we started so late today but we do have that listener question um, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com yeah. if you uh, want to email in your questions etc etc JB um, okay uh, this is the person uh, who uh, is in a charity role and has people in the organisation who have very large egos uh, they are a little bit of a management challenge to say the least, uh, because they're giving up their time freely uh, to do this, uh, which may give them license to behave and perform in ways that are not consistent uh, with the rest of the organization's um, strategic direction or values. Am I right? Have I got that right? I mean, I, I haven't read this, but I'm just re- remembering roughly what you told me. Yeah. Then. So paraphrasing, essentially, um, how do you lead people in a charity if their behaviour needs to be tolerated because the resource is so light, but bureaucratically they behave in an uncollaborative way, I think is what they're basically saying. It's, yeah. it, my, my take is it's tricky um, because I've got a friend that works on a charities board and 
they say it's more frustrating than the day job that they do but they do it because they believe in the charity but unfortunately it attracts people that that um have something missing about their career that they then want to be able to abuse that power and therefore you know flex their leadership muscles in the wrong way mm. um so uh, for me it's a bit of a skill will thing um and if they are not willing to be collaborative which is a key competency of leading a charitable organization i would say then you need to um get rid of them controversial fire them with enthusiasm i think you're saying yes yeah i mean look you know that or at least give them, if you if you've had the conversation with them already um but in terms of leading an organization of people that are all like that i think you need to have a a values based conversation you know how are we going to operate as a leadership team um and and lay down those barriers about how what things should be and shouldn't be so um so yeah that that would be my thinking um it's a tricky one but i kind of thought that again when i read the question i was like oh god i'm not sure we're going to answer that particularly easily if you wouldn't mind emailing in this is coming from a recorded listener question if you can email in a bit more context we might have a better stab but jb anything to add um yeah i i can remember um being involved in some uh on some boards um when i was in radio in bristol and there were some ooh, really powerful ego types on some of those boards i can remember one person used to drive me nuts and um any of my mates at that time would know who i'm talking about and his favorite thing uh at the either at the beginning or at the end of a board meeting would be um jonathan it's a little word to the wise dear boy a little word to the wise and i'd go oh my goodness here we go there's a load of old crap again um and uh, just nightmare egos and and driving uh these organizations completely in the wrong direction what do you do um, I agree with Ant that sometimes uh, you you have to uh, very very carefully because they can be Ooh, uh, very very well then. connected. Oh, am I going? You, you're, you're back now. You're back now. You're back. Ah, uh, you know they can be very well connected, and you've got you know it's a bit like the salesperson who's got loads of really strong relationships with clients. Um, you 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 know you've actually got to not only have the tough conversation with this person, but you've got to have conversations with other people to make sure that the fallout isn't going to be so horrendous. Yeah. Um. I I I think now with this individual, um, and I'm going to be honest, I I don't think I faced that at the time, but uh, in the way that I I would now, um, and I think reputation is a is a key word. Uh, that I think I would be um, using in the reputation of uh, the the board, the organisation, um, and you know it, that um, person is perhaps behaving in a way that is inconsistent uh, with the reputation that we want to build um, with the organisation. And I'd really want to, to, to sort of practice what that actually means about the reputation that we're building as an organization and how that might be at risk. Yeah. I, I think I'd then then be brave and say to this person, 
um you know what 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 do you what's what do you want your reputation to be from being part of this where where do you where do you want that to be um over the next few years and where do you think it is now um and then be prepared uh, to to say i i need to give you uh some some really honest uh feedback about that yeah because i i'm not seeing it uh like that now i could see it in the future but i'd really like to discuss uh what those things need what needs to happen for you to get there to be aligned with where we're taking the where we're taking the business oh, and to be really honest with you about this your signal's dropping badly jb i think have i gone off you 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 you're kind of oh, coming in now it was lovely no. there was a few daleky moments but but there we go um but no i think we've got the gist of it okay that, well i'll good. shut up now but i hope hopefully that's enough yeah. yes i hope so, I hope so. Uh, any plans okay. for the weekend mr bradley uh ooh ah uh, yes <laughs> we've got um two fridges mm. and uh an oven arriving this weekend which i've got to put in the sitting room because we're not quite ready to build the new kit i'm building the new kitchen in my spare time with my my balance of my life is building uh, a business and building a kitchen or a shed or whatever it happens to be that my wife has told me to build this week um <laughs> so there's going to be a little bit of shuffling around in the house i'm hoping that we can get out and walk on the beach uh, and do our lovely walk to Broadstairs and back. I tell you what, it is just in the sunshine, walking along the beach, hearing the seagulls, yeah. looking out to sea, seeing France. God, we miss you, France. I love you, France. I love you. I love you, Europe. I love you, the world. I'm sad that we haven't seen you much recently. Mm. That's going to, well, I'm going to be commiserating that I haven't seen the world this weekend. We haven't got beaches around here. We're landlocked for a an hour drive in any direction so uh well so you can get you can well could you are you allowed to drive to the sea not, i'm not sure not. i think it's local vicinity isn't it so yeah anyway. you'll just have to wait for the sea to come to you with global warming that's not that far away no uh, what are you doing this weekend and um we are doing a little bit of diy and not much else um again kids uh cold weather covid it's a bit of a dull life. We will go for a walk with the dogs and Valentine's Day this weekend for the UK. So we may have oh. a little romantic cuddle on the couch tomorrow, but no, not much else. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I had actually completely forgotten. And <laughs> I, did, I, I tested the water the other day with Chris Bell and I, I said, we don't, we don't, well, just remind me, do we do make a thing of Valentine's Day or not? And she said, well, I'll leave that entirely up to you. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that means I need to pull something out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, ladies and gents, if you want to get involved in the podcast or want to be in the audience, you can enroll um, on the usual ways or methods. Um, failing that, you can drop us an email, globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com. I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley, um, working our way through all the gremlins and getting to the end of our programme. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.